everyone. Thanks again for tuning into Sin's Workshop. Hope you're having a wonderful day. So today we're going to be talking about This Vicious Grace by Emily Theed. Uh, this is a first in a new series and this is her debut novel. Uh, I want to say first and foremost this book is really heavily influenced by Italian themes. And you definitely do see that come across throughout the entire text. However, I will say getting into the story was very difficult for me. It was very slowly paced. There was a whole lot of information from the get-go. There's a whole lot of, you know, world building, a whole lot of history, a whole lot of mythology. And it's all kind of jam-packed early on into the story. And if you've been listening to my podcast, you know that that is kind of one of my biggest pet peeves. I don't need all that information all at once. And I do think it takes away from connecting to the characters. Because initially, I was reading this and I was just like, okay, so why should I care about these characters? You know, I did think the, the mythology was interesting. I did think that the world building was interesting. I thought the structure, the storytelling, I thought it was well done. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't need all that information right from the get-go. I think it would have suited the story even better because there was a lot of good rising tension. There's a lot of um, mystery as the story evolves. You know, there is a, a lot of like intrigue when it comes to Alessa and her gift and why it is not working the way it's supposed to be working. So I think if the world building had been trickled in throughout the story, you know, had the mythology kind of been trickled in a little bit more throughout I think the story would have been stronger and it wouldn't have been so hard for me to get into because I did struggle to connect to these characters from the beginning. Now, that, be a set, that being said, I do think the story does have good characterization. Alessa and Dante, you know, they do follow that trope, enemies to lovers. And if you know me, I'm not a really big fan of romance. However, it worked. And I'll tell you why it worked. Um, it was a little cliche, that trope. But I liked the development of it, I will say. Because it didn't take away from the characterization. I mean, we are introduced to Alessa. This is her third suitor that she has killed. Again, her power is not working the way it's supposed to be. As a Fenestra, she's supposed to amplify the magic of her partner it's not coming across that way unfortunately for her she ends up taking too much of their power and spitting it back out and it's more powerful than the person can withstand or she's taking it too quickly and it's more and it's killing the partner her partner so at a young age when it was discovered she's the fenestra she's taken from her family she no longer has a family she no longer has a name she's just Fenestra, right? Her identity was taken from her at a long age, her at a young age, and her connection to other people. You know, she was pretty much stripped of all humanly connection. So that really does give a good backstory for why her power is not working the way it is, because she needs connection. I think we as humans need connection. I like that Theed was able to tap into that concept and really build Alessa up as a character. She is somewhat abrasive in the beginning, and you are sympathetic to her plight. But again, the way the story opens, it's more of why should I care about this character? You know, 
mainly because, again, the story doesn't open focusing on her. It's more focused on the world building and the magic. But with her and Dante, you know, he has his own secrets and he too wants connection. So these are two characters who are walled off. They live walled off, but they both want connection and they form a very good friendship. And that's why that whole enemies to lovers thing works because they don't like each other, but it's like, okay, fine, whatever. I will be your bodyguard if I can be put in the safe haven. You know, I think it's really interesting to see their dynamic kind of flourish and grow. And I like how they have a nice push and pull. There's a good friendship there that develops. And that's why I like the enemies to lovers trope here. Because usually it's just like, oh, they hate each other and then they love each other. There's really no development there. Feed focus on that development, which I do think is key for relating to the reader and drawing the reader in and making the reader care about the character. You know, I hate that whole trope. I, I'm not a tropey person and I don't read romance for a reason, but it worked here. So we do get to understand the characters. We do get to see that growth and we do get to see a nice dynamic come alive between them. So, and that ending, wow. Before I forget, that ending was what the heck? So I'm really excited for the second book. I really am. Now, I'm going to go ahead and give this book four out of five stars. Again, really slow beginning. That did make it difficult for me to get into the story. But overall, by the end of it, I was hooked. Um, Actually, you know, after a quarter of it, I was like, okay, hooked. I need to see where this story is going to go, you know? So it was interesting, it was intriguing, and it was, you know, ultimately well written with good characterization and strong dynamics. And even the side characters, I loved the lightness of those dynamics, and I like, it was fun. Those dynamics were fun. So, uh, four out of five stars. Please do not forget to like this podcast and subscribe to it and share with all your book loving friends. You can also become a supporter on Buy Me a Coffee or Anchor FM. I hope you all have a great rest of your day and as always, happy reading.